want to speak with you this morning about the simplicity of the gospel. This is something I've been thinking of for a while now. Um, Tim's very kindly putting up my podcasts, uh, this, the homilies is, uh, in the podcast. Uh, and uh, occasionally I supply him with, with, with names for the episodes or for the homily. Uh, uh, most of the time I don't, and so he just does his best and, and comes up with a title uh, based on what, what, he's, what he's heard in the, in the, in the homily, which is, which is great. Uh, the last one that's up there from two weeks ago, he, he put down, uh, well, I, I had in mind, which I didn't mention to Tim, something along the lines of uh, uh, what do you do when you just don't have enough? Uh, and Tim, Tim kindly put it up, and, and he, he had a nice, simple title. Pray, do what's right, and persevere. Which are the three points, are the three points of that particular homily? And I was, as I was looking at it and thinking about it, and as I've also been, you know, you get to a point as a priest where you've kind of said all that needs to be said, and you're just saying it again. But that's okay, because we need to hear it again. That's, that's why we have the homily. Um, but but as, as, as I kind of have been reflecting on, all oh, these many years of, of, of preaching, um, it, it strikes me that it a lot of my sermons boil down to the same stuff, which is probably pretty well summed up with pray, do what's right, and persevere. Because in its essence, the gospel is actually really, really simple. And we get that from the gospel reading today. A certain lawyer came to Jesus. He was an expert in the law. And he wants to test Jesus. So he puts to him a question. Teacher, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And instead of answering the question, Jesus kind of turns it around on him and says, well, you're an expert in the law. What's your reading of it? And so the lawyer says, well, I guess if you had to sum up the law in a couple of, uh, a couple of sentences, it would be uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, good answer. Go do that and you'll live. Totally simple. In fact, a little too simple for somebody who was an expert in the law. He's like, well, you know, this is kind of making me look bad. It's, this is just too simple. Uh, so, of course, he has to justify himself, and so he asks a follow-up question. Okay, well then, here's a hard one for you. Who is my neighbor? And again, instead of answering him, Jesus tells a story. There was a man who was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And he fell among thieves. Robbers waylaid him. They stripped his clothes off him. They beat him. They took all that he had, left him half dead, lying on the side of the road. Now it happened that a certain priest came by. And here we start to see the brilliance of this story. Because while the lawyer's summary of the law is really nice and simple, and in fact really does effectively sum up the whole of the law, you'll notice there are actually a lot more laws than just those two. I mean, those two are in the law, 
but there's a lot more. Some people have said there's like more than 600 uh, if you kind of break them all down. Why is that? You know, if it's so simple, why give so many different laws? And the, I think the answer to that is, well, we as human beings, we're complicated. And more than that, our sinfulness and selfishness makes it complicated. And so, in order to teach us how to love, when God gave his law to his people, he had to spell out certain things. Well, you know, so because, of course, any time... Uh, I always always enjoyed uh, when um, we had a, a special speaker come in uh, and and because invariably all the young people gather around the speaker and ask him the hard questions. It's also probably one of the reasons I like uh, Q&A class because <laughs> uh, I, I like the hard questions and people was like, well, but what about this? Or what about this scenario? Or what happens if, you know, this unusual thing happens and this, this unusual thing happens and this unusual thing happens and then what do you do? What does the law say about that? And of course, you know, everybody likes to be an expert, so you get to regale on, well, I think that the best, the best interpretation of the law in this situation would be. So here, in the middle of this uh, of this story, the priests coming along, and then subsequently the Levite, they are actually in a quandary, according to the law, because the law, in order to teach the Israelites about the sanctity of life and about about how how um, uh, to keep clean and not not ultimately get sick, uh, had a lot of things to say about dead people about corpses and how to treat them. And one of the things that was kind of pretty much universal is if, if you're in contact with a, a dead body, uh, then you're unclean. And it's not to say that that's the end of the world. There's, there's prescriptions and laws how to cleanse yourself. Part of it is just simple hygiene, you know, wash your hands, get, get clean. Uh, but the, there's also this kind of ritual aspect to it so that if a priest or a Levite both of whom are servants of the Most High God, uh, um, were, were in contact with them, there would be this ritual purification, and until that ritual purification had been completed, they couldn't do their job. They couldn't serve as a priest, they couldn't serve as a Levite. So this priest, and then subsequently the Levite who come by, they fall into this quandary. Here we have, on the one hand, the law that tells me that, oh, here's somebody lying on the side of the road, they're hurt, you should do good to them. On the other hand, if I do good to this guy and he doesn't make it, he dies, then I'm unclean. And then I can't do my job for like, oh, I don't know, however long the ritual takes. I actually haven't looked up how long it takes. I don't think it's that long, but you know, if he's, especially if he's on the way to the temple, he's not going to be able to do his job. And so they have to try and sort it out. And they sort it out along religious lines. The priest's like, well, hmm, that looks pretty bad. I guess I won't help him. And he continues on his way. Then, as, and then of course, the Levite comes by. And he actually comes up to the guy and looks at him and says, oh man, he looks like he's in a really bad way. Yeah, what should I do? He might not make it. And then he keeps going on his way. And then finally, a Samaritan comes by. And of course, as we know, the Samaritans were hated by the Jews. 
partly because they saw them as having a distorted form of the uh, of of God's teaching. They only had the law, interestingly enough. Uh, they didn't acknowledge the prophets or any of the subsequent writings. They didn't. Uh, they didn't worship at Jerusalem. They worshipped on Mount Gerizim uh, until the Jews went up and destroyed their temple, which obviously the Samaritans didn't like very much. So they really didn't like one another, and so the Samaritan, as a member of this hated race, had every reason to just leave this guy and go. But he doesn't. He stops. He looks after the man, he puts oil, it has antiseptic property, and uh, sorry, wine with antiseptic properties and oil on the guy's wounds. He puts him on his donkey, he takes him to uh, an inn, he looks after him for the day, he gives the innkeeper two denarii, which is two days wages in those days, to, and says, look after this guy. Make sure he's okay. And if you have to spend anything else, just let me know next time I come, put it on my tab, and I'll pay it. So Jesus, having told this story, asks the question of the expert in the law. Which of these was a neighbor to the man who fell among thieves? And as has often been noted, the expert in the law, Jew, a good Jew, can't even bring himself to say the Samaritan. He's like, um, the one who helped him. Or, you know, maybe it's not that, maybe it's not prejudiced, be fair to him. I mean, it's the right answer. The one who helped him. He's not identifying him by anything other than what he did. And Jesus says, Go and do likewise. So as I say, this story teaches us about the extreme simplicity of the gospel. Because there's another really, really brilliant aspect to it. Because, as I said, the priest and the Levite, they found themselves in a very legitimate quandary. On the one hand, the law says this. On the other hand, it says that. How do I decide between it? And we too, as we go about our daily business, if we know the law of God and we, we know kind of what God expects of us, we'll encounter situations where it's like, well, this is a complicated one. Should I do this or this? I'm not sure. We need a guiding principle. We need, in fact, a greatest commandment. And the beauty of this whole episode is that it shows us very clearly what the greatest commandment is, or two greatest commandments are, if you will. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Of course, life does get more complicated than that. Uh, uh, the, there, there's a reason we have the church and the councils and all the tradition and everything that's been handed down to us. They're good. And in fact, I, as I often say, I, I say that I say it tongue in cheek. Yeah, never mind. I take the tongue out of the cheek. 
the reason we have all of the inheritance that we have, the inheritance of tradition, the inheritance that we have here in the church, all that complex apparatus is to help us not worry about it and worry about the one thing that is needful to us, the person who is right there in front of us, our neighbor, and to get on with the hardest business of all, learning how to love him. And then putting that into practice and actually loving him. Because our neighbor is almost invariably kind of inconvenient. He might not be as inconvenient as a guy beat up on the side of the road whom you have to look after and, 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 and you know, go out of your way for. And, uh, but let's face it, most of the time, people are annoying. And that's precisely when we need to apply this basic teaching. Love God, first of all, with all your heart and all your strength and all your soul and all your mind. That's our starting point. It's a really important starting point. Because we have to be completely, 100%, absolutely committed to God. No matter what. Even if it means our death. And then, as we are in that state... The way we put that into practice is to love our neighbor as ourself. Whatever our neighbor's need is, whatever it is that we have to do in order to make this person whom we have come into contact with, who God has brought into our lives, feel loved be loved, be treated with the very love that we would expect ourselves to be treated with, that we want ourselves to be treated with. That's what we need to do to our neighbor. Very simple. Puts me in mind of that tagline for, I think it was the game Othello. A minute to learn, but a lifetime to master. Let us, by God's grace, go from here, loving God with all our strength, all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, that we might go and do likewise by loving and love God by loving our neighbor as ourself. To his glory, the glory of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages.